0: From west to east and kingdom to kingdom, you're listening to the Diz Unplugged Connecting Us Wall podcast. <laughs> Connecting with Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello and welcome to episode 71 of the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. I am your host and Diz historian Michael Bowling, and I am joined by my co-host, producer and good friend, Craig Williams. Craig, how are you today? I'm good. How are you, Michael? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you. So, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago on our episode celebrating the 60th anniversary of Disneyland's Sailing Ship Columbia, we were talking about the slanted houses, if you recall.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, listener Ty uh, sent me a message. He thought you during that episode, you might have remembered Confusion Hill at Idlewild Park in the Pittsburgh area.
2: Oh, absolutely. No. Yeah, I uh, I went to school pretty close to Idlewild so um and by school I mean college and uh so although Idlewild's very uh very focused on on families and such not really older kids but you know my sister also worked there through college so Uh it was it was a little bit more important to me later in life but absolutely um I'm know all about Idlewild and its history so it's it's a really really uh cute park if you're ever around the Pittsburgh area it's about uh, give or take an hour 10-15 minutes outside of Pittsburgh um but yeah it, it's very charming it has uh it has one section of the park that's um it's a storybook think it's storybook forest if i remember correctly the name i i don't know why that's done all. maybe just falling away from me because it's the thing i remember most about idle um but yeah it's just it's a walk through all these these uh classic fairy tales and such and it's just it, it's really cute really quaint so i i highly recommend it
0: oh great okay so i wonder if the slanted house is still there
2: that confusion, I couldn't tell you.
0: confusion Hill.
2: I so. have not been mm. to the park in oh, that has to be probably I would say probably 2007 or 2008. So 10, 11 years. So that's all out of my memory now.
0: Oh, okay.
2: So well, well, thank you, Ty, for uh, letting us
0: know about that. So. Folks can check that out. Yeah. So, you know, last week you we were talking about the Pooh plushes from, you know, we were talking about, you know, Christopher Robin. Yeah. And, well, I, I have a, a update on, on some different plushes, although it, ha- it is a bear. Um, you know, folks who listen to my report on the Dreams Unlimited Travel Adventures by Disney Trip to China um, with a Tokyo Disneyland add-on back in October. Remember that my souvenirs from the Tokyo Disneyland Resort included bringing home um, Shelly May, Duffy's girlfriend, mm-hmm. Tony, a cat who loves painting, and Stella Lou, a bunny rabbit ballet dancer, to join the Duffy Bear that we had from Disneyland. And a Connecting with Walt listener visited Hong Kong Disneyland a while back and arranged to send me Duffy's newest friend, a cookie, who's a dog that cooks waffles. Yeah. So so cookie now has joined, um, you know, our our our, Dis- our Duffy and Friends collection. And the listener also sent me a Mike Wazowski sipper cup to replace the one that I got it um at Walt Disney World that was broken by the airlines and I was flying oh, home. Hmm. Yeah, and so uh, so I had to go to the other side of the world, you know, to get <laughs> to get that zipper cup. And and also he sent me some very cool stickers of Disney um character stickers that cast members give out to guests. So I want to thank our very considerate Connecting with Walt Listener who went to great efforts to have these items shipped to me. So now I, I I need Olu, who's the ukulele playing turtle from Alani. So, of course, our Duffy here will have all his friends. Oh, absolutely. You know, so, you know. So, and Owen, oh, and I made a discovery. I, I'm late in life to all this. Apple Music, I saw how, uh, you know, Disney playlists on the, you know, that little Disney game app. Yes. Yeah. That you play. I had never paid attention to the app or the playlist but i thought oh let me check this out and wow that opened up a whole new world to me (laughs) (laughs) i mean uh i mean i love they they it isn't just the disney theme park playlist that they have they have other disney um playlists on apple music yeah and and then of course i put in all my preferences and i'm delighted with all the you know, I listen to different jazz albums now every oh, yeah. day, and and classical albums <laughs> and all of that. But I love the Disney playlist, and I guess they update fairly routinely.
2: Yeah, no, so, uh, Disney's uh, very active through uh, Apple Music. They're always coming up with uh, with new playlists and such. So there's there's one that I use for running, and uh, there's a couple that I just just regularly enjoy. I think when I was started my Christmas music search, I saw that there's now what a Disney Christmas music playlist that I'm guessing they're going to start promoting pretty soon because yeah. you know we're we're reaching that 3-month point so we just have to ignore Halloween and and Thanksgiving beforehand. I,
0: I think they have a Halloween playlist. Um they have an no. eat to the beat playlist.
2: I remember that oh, one the being the garden yeah. one
0: yeah. and then they have a Disney and chill one. I don't know what that one is,
2: so. I'm assuming it's all high school musical music as well as uh oh, no. camp rock, <laughs> you know the stuff that you would you would just chill to oh
0: see to me, chill means you just sit back and relax and all
2: that. But... Yeah, I think that's how kids <laughs> relax this day.
0: So. Oh, see, I was thinking it'd be <laughs> piano music or something. No. that's how this kid relaxes. We could only drink, <laughs> I know. But oh, and I just wanted to, to share with folks, uh, you know, again, thank you for all your really kind messages you're sending me about Carol and and your prayers. She's still in the hospital, but I'm very hopeful that she will um, move on to the next stage of her recovery very soon. So uh, anyway, so thank you. And, and definitely please keep those prayers and, and positive thoughts coming. So anyway. All right. Well, you know, on the last episode of Connecting with Walt Craig and I spoke with Disney historian and author Michael Brogi about his life growing up around Walt Disney and Walt's fascination with trains. And, you know, Mark is, uh, my, Michael has authored and co-authored several books, including the award-winning Walt Disney's Railroad Story and Walt Disney's Happy Place and Walt Disney's Words of Wisdom. And, of course, he co-founded the Carol Wood Society and the Carol Witt Foundation. This week, we continue our conversation with Michael Brogi. As he talks about his experiences during the early days of Disneyland and how he has continued to carry on Walt's legacy and love of trains in his personal life, and about a very special event in Celebration Florida on September 29th. So, as Mickey Mouse might say, now on with the show. <music> Now, you you grew up around the Walt Disney Studio at a, at a, at a really exciting time because the studio was churning out animated films. They were live-action films, television shows. The Disneyland Park was being built. And your father would take you to Disneyland when it was actually under construction. So what were your first impressions of that park when it was being built?
3: Well, my father w- woke me up. It was June 18th, month before the park was scheduled open, which was June 17th, which was the private the private party. Uh, the first actual public day of the park was June 18th. So in or uh, uh, July 18th, uh, the first time the public could buy uh, entry into the park, and the admission uh, was a dollar for adults, and uh, children were uh, 35 cents. Parking was a quarter, and that was the original. That was before the tickets, which was an A, B, and C ticket. That was October of 1955. Then over the years, they had additional uh, tickets, the D, and then finally the D, the E, and and the E became uh, the password for the, the highest uh, placed uh, attractions was the e-ticket. But to go back to the opening and the building of the park, June 18th happened to be the day before my 13th birthday. So it was a Saturday. My dad said, we're going to the park. So we got up early, drove down to the, the park. We pulled in backstage. And uh, where they were building the, the locomotives uh, on the property, and uh, that morning we walked over to the the uh, large uh, building, uh, the uh, the locomotive uh, home on the, in the park, and pulling out into the the sunlight was this beautiful early period engine that was totally. Built by the studio, actually it was built by Retlaw, and uh, and owned by Walt, and uh, and that was engine number two, which was named after the uh, the first president of the Santa Fe, and so the first locomotive, uh, engine number one was called the C.K. Holiday, uh, engine number two was called the uh, E.P. Ripley, the Ripley. And so the first holiday was the founder of the the, the, the Santa Fe Railroad, and the Ripley was the first president of the Santa Fe. So two historic names, and engine number three, engine number four, were named after presidents of the Santa Fe, and then engine number five, uh, added later, was named after Ward, Ward uh, Kimball. So that's in the engine number five. Well, that morning, out into the sunlight, pulls this steam engine. In the cab was Walt, dressed in his engineer's outfit, a hat, the, his, uh, uh, all, uh, his overalls, and his, uh, his bandana. And he stops the engine, and he and here's a whole crowd of us. And Walt says, uh, when I'm in the park, I am not the head of the company. My title is Chief Railroad Engineer at Disneyland. (laughs) That's what he wanted to be recognized as, Chief Railroad Engineer. And he said, I'm the engineer, but you know what? There's one other position here in the cab, and that is the fireman. I need a fireman for my first run around Disneyland. Now, I think there was some background between Walt and my dad. And Walt looks at me and said, Michael, would you like to be my fireman? Well, he didn't have to ask twice. (laughs) I ran up, put up a hand, he lifted me up into the cab, and we started our turn around Disneyland with his engine, his railroad, He's the engineer. I'm the fireman. And my dad took pictures of that. And, and in fact, there are pictures in my book of that uh, encounter uh, in Disneyland while I was under construction. And being that, did... it was a whole month before the park opened. Mm-hmm. But the first operating attraction in the park happened to be Walt's Railroad. And uh, so that wasn't twins, uh, coincidence. That was Walt's desire to be the first thing operating was his railroad.
0: Huh. Okay, so we have to know what did you and Walt talk about when it was just you guys and your father going around his park for the first time.
3: Well, I remember that clearly, and uh, being it was the, the even my thirteenth, the thirteenth uh, birthday, and and I had actually gone to work at the studio in April, April first. Of 1955, they needed someone to test drive the Autopia uh, gas-powered cars, so I became the official uh, test driver of the Autopia cars at the studio. So I had already kind of established my involvement at that point on the Autopia. Well, going down to Disneyland and being with Walt in the in the uh, loc in the locomotive and and. Uh, Walt said something interesting to me. He said, uh, I'm going to tell you something. And I remember, like yesterday, he says, None of this would have happened without your dad. Your dad was a genius. He said, it, This Disneyland would not have happened without Roger Brogy. So. Obviously, that was very important to Walt to share that, and Walt was known for not giving um, praise to the individual, but going it to someone else, mm-hmm. and then let that get fed back to the uh, the uh, person who was being uh, praised by Walt. But Walt was known for the fact. That he did not give direct praise to an individual. So uh, obviously, I told my dad later that, you know, that Walt thought you were a genius. Of course, everyone thought Walt was a genius and right. Walt Kimball was a genius. But there were very, very few that were actually named by Walt, uh, you know. to... to
1: yeah, a, that's
0: high praise.
3: So that was that was the, the memory of riding in the cab with Walt at the railroad and then hearing from Walt all of the things that were about to happen in Disneyland. And I'm now looking at, at the, the things that aren't finished. And and I said to Walt, I said, all these buildings aren't finished and there's not uh, 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 concrete hasn't been, uh, poured in the foundation and, and there's, uh, areas of, of, uh, black, black hop that are still just dirt. And I I said to Walt, how's this place going to be finished in, in a month? And what I didn't know is that Walt had now ordered all crews to work seven days a week 24 hours a day to get open because they had run out of money. Walt needed to open the park. And he basically said, to everyone you've got to work to get this place open. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Walt says, come back in a month. You'll see how this place is finished. <laughs> and, and he did. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it did. There were still some things not finished, but, for to get it open and get some money coming in uh they did uh, uh bring a lot of of uh finishing uh done and mm-hmm. and there were a lot of things that i could go into about things that were not done in time and were open the park but they got it open that was yeah. just that <laughs>
0: I, I want to go back to the Atopia car because I, I had read you were a 12 year old test driver of the Atopia cars at the studio. There's a story, though, about how you would, when you test drove, you made sure you would do it when the musketeers were not in in the sound stage and they were walking out and paying particular attention to the female Mouseketeers. All right, did you just sort of pull up to a net and say, hey, baby, want to go for a spin?
3: Well, actually, uh, uh, I found uh, Annette was very uh, um, she was shy. she's too too shy to, to accept the an invite to aboard one of the uh, the little cars. And so I would always uh, time the fact when the and the came out and uh, would ride aboard um, you know, come get in a car and we'll take a, uh, a ride around the studio a lot. And, uh, and, you know, I, I was just having fun, you know, I mean, I'm a 12 year old and, and, you know, they, they were all my, pretty much my age and, uh, and they, they all thought I was the celebrity and they're the <laughs> celebrities. I mean, they were, you know, uh, known throughout the country is, you know, with, you know, with becoming part of the Mickey mouse club. So, um, in one of my turns around the, uh, the lot, um, somebody, uh, came and t- t- kind of touched on my, uh, shoulder and said, uh, your dad wants to see you. So I went back to the machine shop, which is back in the back area of the lot. And I parked the car and I, my dad's office was upstairs in the machine shop and, uh, which is quite a bit larger than the original machine shop because they're doing all the building stuff of the Disneyland. So I caught, I climb up this long step up to my dad's office and there's my dad sitting in his office behind his desk. He's looking at me over the top of the glasses are Just staring at me. And he says, I understand you are giving rides to to Mouseketeers. Well, I realized, you know, I was kind of busted. (laughs) And so I said to my dad, "Uh, Yeah, you know, I was just giving, uh, you know, rides to Mouseketeers. And so my, my father said, There's something you have to understand. Musketeers are what we call talent you are just known as uh, let's call it you have just a um, let's let me back up a little bit and I'll Describe that. Okay. My dad then takes my uh, owning up to the fact that I was owning the... Let me back up again. You sort of... You you fessed up. One more time. (laughs) One more time. Let's try it again. So my father is watching my... Owning up to the fact that I had left my owning up to the fact that Mouseketeers, basically, uh, I was giving them uh, rides in uh, in the Autopia cars. And so my father says, well, here's something you need to understand. You need to understand that Mouseketeers are what we call talent. I want you to understand that you are not talent you are not a musketeer therefore any of the use of musketeers you do not honor musketeers so my dad making me aware of the fact that I was not a true Mouseketeer. I was just a kid being the pilot of all of these Octopia cars. So I had to fill in the fact that Mouseketeers were... uh, special yeah and I wasn't <laughs> and 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 I, and I and my dad had to had to correct me in the fact that I had nothing to uh, to own up to not a mousketeer,
1: mm-hmm.
3: just the uh, the the young kid uh, <laughs> honoring yes. these uh, these uh, beautiful uh, gas powered cars
1: <laughs>
3: yeah now. You,
0: so you were there for opening day of Disneyland. Now, we, although the stories of how chaotic it is, it, you know, they've been well publicized. We've talked about it on the show several times. But from the eyes of a 13-year-old, what, what that must have been an amazing experience, seeing this park open with all the attractions that you actually
3: had knowledge
0: of being built.
3: I think the thing that was impressive to me, and you know, being a 13-year-old, uh, I had the opportunity uh, to witness a lot of celebrities. Mm-hmm. And uh, and being that television, 1955 was black and white, uh, you know, gray, and and I was seeing uh, people like like Lucille Ball and uh, Red Skelton and Ronald Reagan, and all these folks. And, and I, I looked at them as as television uh, celebrities. And I'm, I'm watching people that are actually in full color. And, and so to see in person oh, Lucille Ball with, with beautiful red hair in, in full color. And it was just amazing to me that, that you know, you just imagine them as being uh, various, uh, you know, degrees of gray, and, uh, and then seeing uh, uh, Frank Sinatra and Sammy Davis, and, and just this whole array of famous people, and uh, and then Walt um, and uh, uh, people like uh, uh, Dust Parker, and, and so on—just wonderful people that uh, uh, really celebrated that opening that day. It was really, really amazing. Yeah. And um, so we, we got to, to witness a lot of things happen that day. And a few days later, uh, there were a lot of things that, uh, like the Autopia cars that uh, didn't quite make it. Uh, <laughs> you know, only a couple of them actually made it. Uh, for the opening, so there's a lot to um, encounter, to raise uh, the awareness of the fact that Disneyland needed a lot of fixes and and needed to uh, uh, actually uh, make a lot for the public to uh, to encounter, and yeah. as, as Walt Disney World, on, on the other hand, was. Very much in uh, uh, encountered, uh, you know. A lot of the attractions were were uh, ready to go when the park opened, October of seventy one.
0: Now Bob Gert has been on the show and he talked about that opening day and working Autopia and yeah, one car broke down after the other after the other. But he saw you in line, and he let you ride a very special ride vehicle, a very special yes, car that day
3: yeah, he did. He pulled me out of, out of line. I was just in in you know in the queue line and uh, and Bob Gerr uh, allowed me to take the um, patrol unit uh, at a, a red light siren at a, a, a nice uh, designed uh, star on the uh, with, with black and white. And uh, in those days, the original Autopia car was a uh, like a two-lane going around the track. You could pass other cars, and there was no track in the middle. It was all, you know, just open. And, uh, and so going – so the, all these cars, 18 of them, started out in front of me, and I started at the back of the pack. And because I had all the hours and hours of, you know, running the Autopia car, so driving the, uh, the uh, law enforcement vehicle, and the fact that I was allowed to get around all the cars as I went around the, uh, the track and then made it into the back to the station. and uh, I was then at the front of the pack, having <laughs> put all of the, the miles behind me and and that was a great, uh, uh, honor to be able to run the, the uh, patrol unit, you know, around the track. And then, and I know Bob and myself, and he was only, you know, like was just in the early twenties mean, he's still a young guy. And, uh, and I know I was doing a, a talk and maybe, maybe Bob told that story where, um, I was the, uh, uh, the official, uh, you know, one to take all the, the, uh, Autopia cars around the uh, studio lot. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so, so Bob said, uh, you know, in, in that talk I was giving, he was in the audience. He said, you know, he says, uh, you know, you, you claim you were the, the uh, official driver of the cars. He says, "Actually, uh, you were the uh, you were the dummy." For the <laughs> and uh, and I always felt that it, the correct term was that I was the uh, pilot. I mm-hmm. was the chief pilot, and his favorite was, "No, you were my dummy."
0: Well, <laughs> test dummy. That's,
3: that's a matter of opinion between me and Bob Gurr.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now. Now, after watching Disneyland being built, you experienced its opening day. Years later, you became a Disneyland cast member. You held a lot of positions, but you, you, you never worked on the Disneyland Santa Fe Railroad.
3: So, no, the only the only uh, train that I actually worked on was the mine train, which <laughs> was great fun, and uh, we're part of the. Uh, that group of us that uh actually uh, wore the the outfit and uh we had the live spiel of uh the mine train and so on and you know years later <clears throat> it became uh part of history that you worked that railroad and you were part of that group that had the uh, order of the red handkerchief mm-hmm. and What happened was that the crews that were working on the steam train going around the park uh, felt that we were out of place, that the uh, red handkerchiefs that we wore was not part of our regular uh, costume. And so operations told us you cannot do that. That is steam train costume, not yours. So what we did is we took our yellow or the red handkerchief, we shoved them into our back pocket of our overalls, and you could let the red handkerchief show out of the back pocket. So it wasn't around your neck. It was sticking out of your back pocket. But that kind of was our own way of honoring the fact that we worked on a railroad and it was the Order of the Red Handkerchief, and years later, there are about 254 of us that were part of that identifiable Order of the Red Handkerchief, which included Walt, because he actually uh, ran the train uh, as an operator uh, that he would occasionally take the throttle and run the mine train. And so we were all very proud of the fact that uh, we were part of that, um, mm-hmm.
0: the mind train. <laughs> Craig and I talk about the mind train often on this show. Um, Craig wishes he had experienced it and Rainbow Caverns. Oh, and yeah. I and I, um, I remember it vividly. That was one of my favorite attractions as a boy because it it added so much to Frontierland, gave it its character, its theme, its vastness. You you really felt you were way out in the frontier because it just went on forever. And, you know, you had the pack mules and the Conestoga wagon and the stagecoach running through there. And and the train ran along the edge, you know, the steam train. And it it was amazing. And I was very disappointed when they um, closed down that area.
3: Yeah, I was, too. And, And we were very fortunate years later. Uh 1999, uh, we, we had received uh, a request for help through our Carrollwood Society from Walt's daughter, Diane, and she wanted us to save Walt's barn from the backyard. So we had it all taken apart, and we had it stored, and then uh, totally re- uh, rebuilt and restored to Griffith Park to the area called the L.A. Light Steamers. And to this day now is a mini-museum of Walt's uh, tools, benches, Ward Kimball's uh, tools and models, uh, Ollie Johnston, uh, my dad, there are others that uh, contributed to the content in this uh, mini-museum. Well, uh, that barn uh, really represented Walt's personal workshop and to this day we're very glad that we saved it. The, Let's uh, talk.
1: ahead.
0: Okay. Well I want to talk about the Carrollwood Society. As I mentioned, you are a co-founder of it. Can you tell our listeners who aren't familiar with the Carrollwood Society what is it and what inspired you to to found it?
3: Well, uh, our desire was to save Walt's personal history and at that era um, there was, uh, I would call, a disagreement between the Disney family and Michael Eisner, and so on, and and uh, Ron Miller, who was uh, Diane's husband, uh, he was he was fired literally as mm-hmm. head of the company, and uh, lost uh, the support of the board, and then Roy uh, Edward Disney, the son of the founder Roy O. Disney. Uh, he led the uh, uh, position against uh, Ron Miller. So, going through all of that, um, we knew that there was an important part of history that we wanted understood. So, we started the Carrollwood Society representing the Backyard Railroad, which was Walt's personal uh, property and his personal interest. And so uh, 25 years ago uh, this year uh, marks, uh, a, you know, a quarter of a century of membership. We started with a small group that, in, you know, they wanted us to head up a group uh, that they could join. And uh, at the same time, I was working on the first book. And so a few years later, uh, the book was finally finished. And, uh, we felt very fortunate having support from a lot of people waiting for that book to be finished. And the, the upshot of that was that we had events and our first event was in, uh, 1993 in the backyard of Ward Kimball. And, uh, we had about 200 of our members in Kimball's backyard and it was important. We had... Ollie Johnston there, and we had Bob Gurr and my brother, and lots of folks all in Kimball's backyard. That was our first uh, Wood event. And then years uh, transpired, and we did Vincent Ollie Johnston's home, and we did other locations uh, important in history. And uh, we feel very fortunate in the fact that we had the opportunity to share Walt history and Disney uh, company history with our membership. And we do a a periodical called the Carolwood Chronicle. Uh, We've uh, developed models of uh, engines that run in the parks and uh, electric models, uh, um, brass, uh, eagles that are on the locomotives that our members uh, and public actually can purchase our, our uh, website. So it became carolwood.com, uh, and that's our uh, address in the uh, internet. And we have uh, carolwood.org. Uh, so we have both of those addresses. And we have the Carolwood Foundation, which is the nonprofit arm of our group that run the barn in Griffith Park. And that organization. Has raised uh, money for saving and restoring the uh, uh, was the combine car, one mm-hmm. of the yellow wooden coaches, which is now at the at the Barney Griffith Park, and we have transported that uh, to the various locations.
0: It was and, at the last D twenty three Expo, and I had seen it when you first received it. And I saw the condition mm-hmm. it was in out at Griffith Park. Then when I saw it restored, what a magnificent job that you did. It looked like yeah. it just rolled right out of the shop.
3: Yeah, our our foundation and the people involved were uh, amazing in, in showing uh, how to take uh, a historic uh, wooden coach and, and totally restore it. The rest of the coaches, other than what became uh, 106, which was the BIP car, which is, of course, also called Lily Bell, uh, that's the sixth of the wooden coaches. Uh, the other four, in addition to the uh, the combine car, are uh, now the property of one of our members uh, who has property above San Luis Obispo in uh, Santa Margarita Ranch. And uh, so there's, uh, you know, his goal eventually is to restore those coaches. They still have a ways to go yet. Yeah. But those original coaches was always interesting to me. For someone who de- never showed real interest in trains was uh, uh, Mrs. Disney, uh, Louie and Disney. And so her name is on the miniature engine in the backyard, the lily bell, <laughs> The VIP coach at Disneyland, the Lily Bell, and engine number two at Walt Disney World, all called Lily Bell. And she really didn't care about trains. Yeah, I, th- well, I think it was a great honor for, for Mrs. Disney It was that Walt celebrated what important uh, partner she was to Walt and for 41 years, Mrs. Walt Disney.
0: Absolutely. And, and now you're also restoring – You'd started to talk about it. One of the the mine train locomotives, correct? From yes. that attraction. Yes.
3: Right. That was uh, the one that was actually uh, like a derelict uh, mm-hmm. engine and a couple of little cars that went along with it, and and uh, it took a lot of uh, negotiating with the company uh, to allow us to restore that engine and then display it at the barn. And uh, the park also allowed us to acquire the original cab of the C.K. Holiday, which will be a like a photo opportunity. You can climb up in the cab and have your picture taken. That's another project. Oh wow! The barn. It will be a uh, where you would be able to get into that original cab and have your picture taken.
0: That's wonderful. And anyone can become a member of the Carrollwood Society, correct?
3: Well that that's with the understanding. We have one rule.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: The one rule is you visit any Disney park, you ride this you ride the train. You ride the steam train. That is the one rule. Uh, other than that, uh, if you ride the you ride the train, we consider you a loyal member of the Carrollwood Society. Okay.
0: Well, I think everyone listening and, to this show is a member.
3: <laughs> and and interestingly over the 25 years that since we started the society, uh, we have not raised the dues. It's still uh, $30 for original members, $24 a year thereafter for any uh, member. Cast members of any Disney park can join for half price. We always made it affordable because it was secondary, and so we made it uh, something in the reach of, of everyone uh, to be part of the of, of Carolwood.
0: And we will have a link to the um, Carrollwood Society site in our show notes. So if you want to learn a little more about the society and become a member, uh, you'll you'll be able to do it with just a click. And I know that you have. Oh, and one of, you know the show is called Connecting with Walt, and we talk about ways people can connect with Walt in the parks or in their lives or at different places. I we have told people, if you really want to connect with Walt, go, go visit Walt's barn because he worked in that barn. He built it. He worked in there. He touched the he touched all the you know the the workbench is there he looked in that mirror he shaved in that sink so if you really want to connect with walt you have to go to griffith park and visit walt's barn
3: yeah that's yeah. absolute and we're very fortunate we have a group of volunteers that are happy to spend their time uh the third sunday uh, in the month year round uh then in the summertime the first and third Sundays is open. It opens at 11 to 3 every day, and then uh, or every um, operating day. And then uh, around the year, they'll do special things like for Christmas, they do uh, the uh, L.A. Life steamers put on special exhibits for Halloween, and so on. So there's always something going on, mm-hmm. and uh, and you get to ride uh, these wonderful. Uh, scale model uh, railroads that are operated by the uh, la live steamers and they're operating every uh, every weekend uh every sunday they're they're operating and free it's all free in yeah. fact our barn is free admission and free parking actually it makes us the only free disney attraction in the entire world
0: <laughs> i was just thinking that yes now, now, speaking of special events, the Carrollwood Society is having what was what was referred to to me as an unmeeting on Saturday, September 29th. But this is not in. Burbank. It is in Celebration, Florida, and this is called From Carolwood to Canyonville with Michael Brogy and Tony Anselmo. So can you tell our listeners, what is a Disney historian and author and a voice actor and animator of Donald Duck doing together at a Carolwood Society event?
3: Well, that's uh, an interesting event we do every year. We do something toward the uh, end of September where Uh, The weather in uh, Walt Disney World is uh, actually some of the best weather of the year. And so last year we had uh, uh, Bob Gurr. The year before we had uh, Roy Patrick Disney, the grandson of the co-founder of the company. So we always usually have, you know, special guests taking part. Well, this year, uh, Tony Anselmo, who is one of our longtime members, and as you point out, a voice actor of Donald Duck, also master animator of Donald Duck, and was taught by Clarence Nash, the original voice of Donald, how to do the voice. And uh, so uh, Tony is going to uh, teach how to draw Donald Duck. He's going to talk about uh, doing the voice for a particular um, uh cartoon uh completed in 1951 um as you point out it's actually one of the uh classic uh donald duck featuring uh the uh chipmunks uh, mm-hmm. chip and dale and there and it's called out of scale and in the uh seven minute cartoon uh donald does battle with the two chipmunks for control of his 18 scale live steam miniature railroad.
0: That and sounds familiar.
3: 1950, <laughs> yeah, <195, laughs> 1951. He called it the, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Canyonville uh, Railroad, kind of like Carrollwood mm-hmm. and uh, And <clears throat> so they do their battle. And I'll tell you that the, that steam engine looks suspiciously very close to the one that ran in Walt's backyard. So, uh, and I think uh, there's no question that the, uh, people that were working on various themes and so on of, of, uh, cartoons involving Donald and other characters that they happen to choose Donald in this backyard railroad. So it's, it's a wonderful, um, part of that history. So we're very fortunate to have, uh, Tony and Salmo participating in our, our unmeeting. Uh, we have our members and their guests coming to hear direct from Tony, who is also a Disney legend. He got, uh, being selected as a legend in 2009. And so we're looking forward to, uh, sharing And uh, one of our members, Jane Van Ostenbridge, has uh, created a wonderful presentation of visuals that will be shown in this special uh, presentation. Where I'll take the first part of Walled and the Backyard Railroad and so on, and then we transition into all the work, the team effort that goes into creating. Uh, a cartoon. And so we're going through um, the design, uh, the uh, uh, background, the music, the voice, uh, all the parts that go into creating a seven minute cartoon. it's amazing the amount of effort and team effort that goes in to creating this bit of entertainment. And uh, so we're, we're, we're really looking forward to sharing that. Uh, at our annual M meeting, my younger son, Steve, uh, thought up the name on meeting because we didn't have a name because we originally said when Carrollwood Society was uh, created that Sharon and I, Sharon being my wife and co-founder said, uh, we'll, we're fine with having um, meeting, not meetings, but we'll have events. But there will be no regular meetings because meetings tend to be boring and we're not going to contribute to boring meetings. Therefore, we'll have our special interest saluting walled history, honoring trains, and having good times and special events. And then we decided, well, we'll do an annual gathering in Florida. And then my son Steve says, Let's call it the annual unmeeting. So I think this is our thirteenth year oh, wow. where we've had an unmeeting. That that's why we call it the unmeeting, because we don't hold meetings. Yeah. We refuse to be bored.
0: <laughs> well, for folks who, who always complain that everything happens out in California where Disney's concerned, here is a great opportunity for you to take advantage of something that's not happening in California. So head out to Celebration, Florida, uh you know, September 29th to to see Michael Brogi, Tony and Selmo. This sounds like a fascinating presentation. We will have a a link to the event website in our show notes that will provide you with more information on the event and also information about the tickets, and you can purchase your tickets uh, through that site as well. So, uh, so Michael, from you and your family's personal experiences with Walt Disney, plus what you've learned about him, as an author and historian, what have you learned from Walt that you've incorporated into your own life?
3: I think the thing that uh, really typifies what there is to learn from Walt is that, first of all, uh, you can always be better. That There's no such thing as completion or you're done. Uh, There's always uh, a new adventure, uh, a new promise to keep. And the people that followed Walt And uh, none of us are perfect. Walt wasn't perfect, but he had tremendous imagination, tremendous belief in his own dreams and ideas and visions. And I think, if anything, uh, what Walt left for us as a legacy is that there's always an opportunity to do more. And as Walt famously said, Disneyland will never be completed. It will continue to grow as long as there's imagination left in the world. And uh, he has proven that. And the people that followed Walt uh, have always uh, strived for uh, bigger, better. But what always amazed me is how Walt got it right the first time Mm -hmm. at Disneyland. And, uh, I mean, Disney World is is larger. It's, you know, more... uh, uh, areas and bigger of course an area but but when you look at the theme park and at Disneyland and what it represents um he really got it right the first mm-hmm. time
0: I agree and and he got it right thanks to people like your father
1: so, well,
3: so. you're right there there were literally hundreds and hundreds of people mm-hmm. Who's, who put their talents to work? And uh, you know, there there was Roy, and his brother, that didn't believe in Disneyland at first. Lillian was against it. Said, Walt, you're going to put us out of business. Roy <laughs> said, you know, I'm going to sell my stock if you go through with this. And 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 Walt was stubborn. Uh, he kept to his vision, and 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 so and he was stubborn enough to see it through, and. Yeah. In spite of everything, you know, his own wife said, what do you know about museum parks? And he admitted, I know nothing, but I, I don't agree with what's happened across the country to carnivals and and uh, museum parks. He wanted to do it his way. And he turned out to be right. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Michael, thank you so much for joining us on Connecting with Walton, sharing your stories. And, and to our listeners, if you'd like to learn more about the history of Walt Disney's and, and his interest in trains, first of all, I I cannot recommend Michael's book highly enough, Walt Disney's Railroad Story. It it is really a must for any fan of walt disney or trains or the theme parks and also uh, and also join michael Brogi, and tony and Semel at the carolwood society event from Carrollwood to canyonville being held in celebration florida on september 29th as i mentioned we'll have a link to the event website with more information including how to purchase tickets in our show notes. And when in Burbank, be sure to visit Walt's Barn at Griffith Park, and we will have a link to the Carolwood Society website where you can learn more uh, about the Society, about Walt's Barn, about the, um, the Steamers, and, um, and become a member of the Carolwood Society and join in their fun events. So, Michael, we hope you'll join us again on Connecting with Walt.
3: It would be my pleasure. And, uh, again, this year, uh, actually in January, I'll be going back on national tour again. Uh, we've been doing this with the world's greatest hobby on tour. That's what it's called. World's greatest hobby Mm -hmm. on tour. It was a website and there are four cities that we will be going to this year. And they'll be out in the, uh, mid part of the country. So if anyone's interested in hearing stories about Walt and seeing model trains, it's uh, sponsored by the model train industry uh, throughout the country. And this year, uh, they're selecting four cities in the center center part of the country and their world's greatest hobby on tour.
0: All right. We will find that and include that link in our show notes as well. So perfect. All
3: right. All right. Well, thank right. you so much for having me as a guest.
0: You're and, welcome. Uh,
3: hopefully, we'll, we'll see you at one of our uh, our gatherings of unmeetings.
0: I I hope so. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm jealous that I'm not going to be able to see the one on September twenty ninth. Hopefully, you'll bring it out to California sometime.
3: I'm sure we will.
0: Okay, great. Well, thank you, Michael, and good luck on September twenty ninth. Have fun. Well, it's that time again. It's this this week in Disney history quiz. And this time it's for the week of September 8th. And well, after, you know, me challenging Craig all these weeks, we thought it was about time to bring on a listener to challenge Craig in all his awesomeness. So we are delighted to have Alexander, a longtime listener to the Diz and to Connecting with Walt. And Alexander actually is... Uh, is is the youngest contestant and guest we have ever had on connecting with Walt, and so Alexander, welcome.
4: Thank you. It's an honor to be on the show.
0: Oh, we're delighted to have you. I remember we met. I met your whole family at one of the um, dis events, the tenth anniversary celebration, when we were all competitors on that that wild scavenger hunt. So, um, so, so Alexander. So our listeners get to know you just a little. So um, how did you become a Disney fan and a fan of Walt?
4: Well, uh, we've always um, loved uh, watching films. Our very first uh, Disney film that, the very first Disney film I can remember seeing is actually Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was back when I was very little, and I remember we would also watch the uh, some of the classics. We have a uh, a little um a, a, a like a mini collection filled with old-fashioned DVDs. So um, that's how uh, we started. Uh, that's um how we started on the road to becoming Disney fans.
0: okay. well, and that's a good film to start with the the. Uh, Walt's first princess yep
4: the one that that started it all
0: that's right that's right excellent great well it sounds like you're going to be a good contestant here for Craig and I know I've talked to you I remember when I talked to you you had a lot of knowledge about Disney so here we go so I'm for I know yeah (laughs) Uh, so for our our listeners at home uh, just going to run through the rules since it has been a, a while uh, if if uh, our contestants choose to not hear the multiple choice options they will receive three points for a correct answer if they choose to hear the multiple choice options they will receive two points for a correct answer. If uh, they ask me to move an incorrect option, they will receive one point for a correct answer. And if they correctly answer the question after their opponent answers the question incorrectly, um, they can receive one point. Some questions may have opportunities to earn bonus points. In contestants, you can earn one point for each bonus question correctly answered. In the event of a tie, there will be a tiebreaker question, and you may find having pencil and paper nearby helpful for the bonus question. So, for our our con- listeners at home who are playing along, remember no Binging, Yayhooing, Googling, or asking Alexa for the answers you have to play by the same rules as our contestants here on on the show are playing so uh, so Craig or Alexander any questions before we start not for me
4: Okay. Uh, no, I, uh, I don't have any questions. Thank
0: you. All righty. Excellent. Okay. Well, th- we are starting for the week of September 8th. And, Alexander, since you are our guest and our challenger, you get to decide, would you like to receive the first question or pass it on to Craig? Uh,
4: since it's my first one, I think I'll uh, receive it.
0: All right. So for September 8th. Amusement Today reported on September 12th, 2008, that Disneyland is donating two vehicles from an iconic attraction at Disneyland to the National Roller Coaster Museum and Archives. What attraction is it?
4: I think I might know the answer, but just to be safe, I'd like to do the multiple choice,
0: please. All right. Is it A, Matterhorn bobsleds, B, Space Mountain, C, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, or D, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride?
4: Uh, You said this is a roller coaster or a ride in general?
0: Well, I just said it was an iconic attraction at Disneyland, but but they donated the two vehicles to the National Roller Coaster Museum and Archives.
4: My gut says one of the originals that was there from the beginning. So I'll say Mr. Toad's Wild Ride.
0: Okay, is that your final answer?
4: Yes, I think so. Okay,
0: that is a good guess, but it is incorrect. Although that is a sort of like a roller coaster. Okay, so Craig, over to you. What did Disneyland donate to the National Roller Coaster Museum and Archives? Was it vehicles from the Matterhorn Bobsleds, Space Mountain, or Big Thunder Mountain Railroad? Mm,
2: I think uh, I'll... I'm going to go with Matterhorn. Just that Mm -hmm. seems since that is the start of Steel. I'm going with that. That's true. That is the first
0: um, tubular steel roller coaster and you are correct
1: hmm.
0: so you get two points for that one okay one point for the right. steel. oh that's right one point thank you ah, i'm You're already
2: off, off. Listen. see i've already forgotten how this works and i'm, uh, I'm winning this one fair and square
0: <laughs> okay uh, that's right okay good okay september 9th for craig what disneyland attraction lowered its curtain for the final time on september 9th 2001
2: Mm. Um. I will go with multiple choice.
0: Okay. Was it A, General Electric Carousel of Progress, B, Submarine Voyage, C, Country Bear Playhouse, or D, The Sleeping Beauty Castle Walkthrough?
2: Okay. I know that it definitely can't be... The first one, uh, Carousel of Progress, if I can remember already. I was trying mm-hmm. to keep track in my head. I should have. Probably that was wrote the these first one. Um, I think my answer is it's. I'm on the fence about two, so I'm gonna. I'm gonna trust that even though I just pointed out the Carousel of Progress one that. If I ask you to take one away, that you'll take away <laughs> one of the other ones. You can say no. So, you wa- <laughs> so do you want me to take away one of the other ones? Yeah. Okay, I will remove the submarine voyage. Okay, I'm going with uh, Country Bear Playhouse then. That is correct. It's the Country Bear Playhouse. It's like you knew one of the ones that I was struggling back and forth with.
0: Ah, well see, I figured lowered its curtain.
2: That was, that was a clue there. Oh also. That is a clever clue.
0: Thank you. <laughs> I thought so.
2: Okay.
0: All right. Alexander, back to you. It's two to zero. So, Alexander, you you can easily come back to pull ahead here. Okay. So on September tenth, nineteen ninety eight, the United States Postal Service issues a 32 cent postage stamp as part of its series of memories of the 1930s depicting these disney characters
4: so what uh, disney characters, mm-hmm. oh um oh uh, you you didn't uh, I, I was
0: finish. just going to say so what disney characters were on this 32-cent postage stamp in 1998 depicting the 1930s?
4: Um, I think I'd like to go with multiple choice,
0: please. okay Thank you. Is it A, The Three Little Pigs? B, Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, and Goofy from The Brave Little Tailor? C, Walt Disney and Mickey Mouse? Or D, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs?
4: I think... I think the answer is A, the three little pigs.
0: Okay, is that your final answer? Yes. That would be a good answer because this was during the depression, but that is incorrect. So, Craig, over to you. Who was on the 32 cent postage stamp? Was it Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, and Goofy, Walt Disney, and Mickey Mouse, or Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs?
2: I'm going I think I'm going towards the brave little tailor.
0: Okay, final answer? Yeah. Okay. That is incorrect. It is the first full-length feature cartoon, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. That would okay. make sense. That would make <laughs> sense. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, Craig, this is over to you. This is for September 11th. Several items are presented to the New York Public Library on September 11th, 1987, that have a Disney connection. What are these items? Uh,
2: Multiple choice, please.
0: Okay. Is it A, the original Mickey and Minnie Mouse dolls created by Charlotte Clark? B, a complete collection of Walt Disney's Mickey Mouse Club magazines. C, one animation cell from each animation feature film made during Walt's lifetime. Or D, the original Winnie the Pooh stuffed animals belonging to Christopher Robin Milne.
2: Um, well, I think I have an answer to this one. So my logic is going that you you said it was the New York public library. Correct. Yeah. So uh, while magazines and film cells are something you might see in a library um, and maybe you could argue Mickey and Minnie Mouse dolls, but considering that um, that Winnie the Pooh is Based on a book And the rest of those things Technically aren't I'm going to go with With D
0: And you are correct the presentation of the real Pooh, an 18-inch high teddy bear given to Christopher Robin Milne in 1921 and Pooh's friends. And those are all various toys received as gifts by Christopher between 1920 and 1928 to the New York Public Library takes place. And they are still on display today.
1: Hmm.
0: And um, and they, um, they, they got a lot of love when you take a look at them.
1: I
2: can yeah. imagine, yeah. <laughs>
0: Okay, great. Okay, so Craig has four. And, Alexandra, over to you for September 12th. What Disney theme park event took place on September 12th, 2005?
4: September 12th, 2005. Hmm. I have to go with multiple choice again.
1: Okay.
0: Is it A, Cinderella Bration premiered at the Magic Kingdom? B, the Hong Kong Disneyland Resort opened? C, Space Mountain at Disneyland California reopens after a two-year reconstruction? Or D, Walt Disney World's River Country was confirmed to be closed permanently?
4: I believe it is. Be Hong Kong Disneyland open.
0: You are correct. After six years of planning and building costs of $1.8 billion, Hong Kong Disneyland had its grand opening. It is Disney's fifth vacation resort and 11th theme park in the world. It consists of the Hong Kong Disneyland theme park, two hotels and retail dining and entertainment facilities stretching over 310 acres. Excellent. All oh. right, you're welcome. Okay and I think we're back to Craig now mm-hmm. for September 13th. Oh, Craig, we were just talking about this character not long ago. The campy and glorious, or glamorous, I guess she's glorious too, Mistress of the Dark, Elvira, hosts a wild Friday the 13th party at this Disney location on September 13th, 1996. Where was the Mistress of the Dark holding her party?
2: I... Um, hmm. I'm stuck between two, so I'm going to go ahead and, oh, do I just want to guess? Okay, um, I'm, I'm going to guess. Okay. Because it's, in my mind, it comes down to two places where I could see it making sense. Uh, the thing that makes the most sense in my head would be um, MGM, because mm-hmm. that is with the movies and TV and, you know, it was still that focus back in 90, um, I don't remember the year you said, but... Um, 1996. Okay. And, but then the other one is, I'm assuming she lived out in California, so... Why not do it at at Disneyland? But I think I've seen something of this pop up before in the history sites that I paid attention to, um, with with Walt Disney World in particular. I'm I'm thinking MGM.
0: Okay, final answer. Yes, you are correct. Disney MGM Studios. Okay. I'm wow. So jealous
2: I couldn't be there.
0: <laughs> I saw her
2: at the um, not scary Halloween. Yep. Um, a, a few years That's ago. The only she... time I've seen her, and it was everything I could have hoped for and more.
0: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> she, um, she, she did not fail to live up to expectations. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> but it was cold in there. Boy, that ice skating rink is cold. Yeah. Snoopy and the gang like it that way. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Okay, well, it's seven to two. Alexander, you still you still can come back here. So, um, okay, at the White House on September 14th, 1964, President Lyndon B. Johnson presents Walt Disney with an award. What award did Walt Disney receive from President Johnson?
4: Um, I think I I better do multiple choice. Okay. So, A,
0: the President's Volunteer Service Award, B, the Presidential Citizens Medal, C, the Presidential Medal of Freedom, or D, the Congressional Gold Medal.
4: Um I believe the answer is uh, C the Presidential Medal of Freedom because B the Citizens Award I I know that Eisenhower presented that to Walt in in 59 so I I uh, C is the only other answer I uh, I could put my finger on
0: And you are absolutely correct. That, and I, and I should give you an extra point for yeah. knowing that Eisenhower presented that one. I was going to say the um, same
2: exact thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, the na- that is the nation's highest civil honor, the President, the, the, the Medal of Freedom. Recipients of the medal are those who have made outstanding contributions to the security or national interest of the United States or to world peace, or those who have made a significant public or private accomplishment. Excellent. So that's four points now, Alexander.
4: And Walt Disney definitely made hundreds of those. Yes. <laughs> I'll say that.
0: Uh, you're absolutely right. So, Okay, Craig, over to you. Um, which 1985 theatrical film found inspiration from the Disneyland attraction, Pirates of the Caribbean?
1: Hmm.
2: I will do multiple choice.
0: Okay. Is it A, Back to the Future, B, The Goonies, C, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, or D,
2: Cat's Eye? Um, I don't, in terms of the feel, there's only one that sticks out to me with that and I would say The Goonies.
0: Okay. You are correct. Steven Spielberg has stated that the cave sequences and design were inspired by scenes and set design from the Pirates of the Caribbean attraction. Okay. Yeah, that makes Excellent. sense. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. When I saw that ending scene in Goonies, I thought, this looks just like um, Pirates of the Caribbean.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Excellent. Well, you know, that, that, that was our eighth question, so um, so for this week. So well, Alexander, you you made a good start there with four points, and um, you know for your first week out, that is very good. We've had some folks not do quite as well as that in their their first showing here. So so of course you know we we want to you have to come back you know to. Um, continue to challenge Craig's so I hope you will join us again next week
4: thank you I would look forward to that very much
0: excellent so will we so we will look forward to having you back to challenge Craig um, next time on connecting with Walt all right well Craig and I would like to thank Connecting with Walt listener Jim for letting us know about the Carolwood Pacific Unmeeting on September 29th and putting us in touch with Michael Brogie. My goodness, what wonderful stories. I mean, talk about a life that... I mean, all of us who are fans of Walt Disney and the parks, wouldn't you have loved to have lived
2: that? those experiences? Oh, absolutely. That he
0: talked about?
2: Yeah, no, I this, mean, th- this one's a surprise. You know, we talk about... Uh, between ourselves and sometimes on air all the time about it's we really genuinely enjoy getting a lot of these interviews especially with the ones that were were close with walt or at least were like one degree of separation away and i i mean this was just one i have to admit uh this, this was all you're doing on it i i never really thought of anyone in the Brogy family ever being still really around to talk about it, being involved in it, um, despite everything I know about it. And so uh, when you pulled it up, it was like, okay, well, this could be interesting. And absolutely, absolutely was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he, I want to have him back on to talk a little more about Walt and the railroad. We sort of, we did a lot, you know, covered a whole lot but his book is really fascinating and so I would love to have him back on that focus more on that so absolutely So yeah so Craig until next time where can our listeners find you on the Dis Unplugged network
2: of shows as always uh, on the Walt Disney World edition podcast the Universal Edition podcast the best and worst of Walt Disney World the Dis Daily Fix and as always Instagram and at teleclaster michael what about hey. you
0: well you can send me messages at michael at Info.com. on twitter i'm at m bowling one two one facebook i'm mike bowling with the connecting with walt banner check that one out instagram michael bowling that is and you can also connect with me and craig on twitter at our official connecting with walt twitter page at Connect Walt. And if you'd like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney, his studio, his Imagineers, and Disneyland, check out our Disneyland podcast archives for my Disney history episodes at disunplug.com and look for past episodes of Connecting with Walt on iTunes, where you can subscribe to our show and leave some positive reviews and ratings. So thank you for making us a part of your day. And remember, I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing that it was all started by a man, Walt Disney, and his brother Roy.